Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Hey everybody, welcome to your new episode of Let Me Introduce You. My name is Katie and I am one of your illustrious hosts and I'm joined by two other wonderful people. <laughs> Either of you is fine. <laughs> you go first. Oh, my name, yes, my name is Graham. I'm Ashley. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, Ashley. That talking. Was, that was your cue. <laughs> Uh, so Honestly, Kate is the only illustrious one. Yeah, 28 episodes Obviously. in. 28 episodes we're, we're, in. We can't get yeah, it Yeah, right. we're, we're on top of it. Um, so that's us. We are three friends who met in film school almost 20 years ago, and we have tons and tons and tons in common, except for our taste in movies. So in the spirit of friendship, every week we introduce a movie that at least one of us has not seen. We will break it down. We'll talk about why that movie's important to us or why we decided to talk about it because this movie is not important to me at all. Um, and uh, why we wanted to introduce the others to it. Uh, so this is the third episode of our films uh, of our box office disaster films called It's a, it's disaster. a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. close enough. Right. <laughs> um so this week, we are talking about the action, and I, and I use this term very, very loosely, action comedy, 1991's Hudson Hawk. So it's this uh, cat-burgling, double-crossing nonsense plot insanity fueled by Bruce Willis's co-written nonsense. And his ego. Obviously. Because <laughs> Die Hard 2 had just done really well. They were trying to capitalize. That's exactly correct. Uh, so before, you know, I'm going to do things a little uh, staging a little differently because we're focusing on box office. So I actually, um, yeah, actually, Graham, do you want to do box office first and then synopsis or synopsis sure, and then we'll box office? Sure, we'll do box office first. Let's do that. Um, yeah. So Just to give you an idea of the yeah. insanity yeah. that is to come. So this opened Memorial Day weekend. 1991, so May 24th was its opening weekend. This film was budgeted at $65 million. It opened at number three that weekend. Its opening weekend was $7 million on its way domestically to $17.2 million. Uh, it dropped 50% the following weekend. Uh, interesting note that it, it became profitable Four years later, from from uh, home video rentals and oh. sales, so but that was years later. Huge bomb of that year. Here's what else came out that weekend. Get ready for this. Okay, bring it. Backdraft. Ooh. Okay. What about Bob? <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Thelma and Louise. Oh. Oh wow. John Hughes's Only the Lonely, which is with John Candy. Drop Dead Fred. Oh my god, that was filmed down the street from my old house. Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, the Disney movie. This is all the same weekend? And finally, probably the best one that came out that weekend that we will eventually do an episode of, Mannequin 2 on the Move. Oh my god, I loved Mannequin. <laughs> but what a crazy weekend. There's several classics of, of varying degree in that. Yes. But yeah, this was supposed to be a big summer blockbuster and it just died no i mean that's a hard that's a hard opening weekend even if this film had been good yeah yeah i know that that same summer you also had uh terminator 2 also in the action genre and that had a budget of 85 million but um i know that did way better than hudson hawk oh totally was that the number one probably was one of the, the number one movie of that year I think so. Like I know it had a, it had a higher budget than this. So Hudson Hawk. I know it ran closer to seventy. Mm. Where did the money go? <laughs> so this was the last movie produced by TriStar Pictures before they merged with Columbia, and it was actually the final nail in the coffin for TriStar and Columbia, who was also going through financial difficulties. And the uh, the newspaper headline around that time was Hawk Cooks TriStar's Goose, and I was like. Oh. <laughs> That's so um, sad. I love, I love, I, one of my favorite opening logos, TriStar. That horse. Same. Love, the horse. Yeah, love the that horse. Yep. yep. 
Um, so we can go a little bit into why this failed, but before we do that, Graham, God. would you uh, would you give a, a a heroic attempt at synopsisizing this because it it is a disaster, truly. I am it going is. to try watching this. I knew that it was my turn, and I was like, "How the fuck am I supposed to summarize this?" So here is my valiant attempt at this absolute like kitchen sink of a movie. I would yep. say, okay, Ernie Hawk or Hudson Hawk, played by Bruce Willis, is a cat burglar fresh out of prison and eager to get back into his normalish life and drink his cappuccinos. However, he's blackmailed by his parole officer, uh, like a mafia family, but with, including Frank Stallone. I know. And members of the CIA into some art heists. Um, but he's not like at it alone. He has his partner in crime, Tommy Fivetone, Danny Aiello, mm-hmm. who joins him and they have a ball like robbing museums. And for some reason, they like to smugly sing songs as they steal shit. Gonna, it's to time. It's yeah, to songs time. that are it's, the it's, approximate it's, length to, know, to ramen. Because he doesn't believe in watches, I, I guess. I would like to talk about the singing at some point in this episode. Sure. So this all amounts to these big bads that are these like very bonkers, very wealthy married couple. Darwin and Minerva, played by Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhard, icon, who want to... Um, get the world into some like fiscal crisis by making all lead into gold, thus making gold worthless or something like this. How are they going to do this? Well, they're going to reconstruct a machine invented by Leonardo da Vinci called the, I'm going to bushel, La Machina de Oro. The gold machine, which I I should say there's like a 10 minute scene at the beginning of with Leonardo da Vinci constructing this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how are they going to do this? They they find these crystals that are shot me if I'm wrong, are are located. No, so far. Nope. Are located in these pieces of art. And if you put them together correctly, it, it brings power to make lead into gold. And there's all this double crossing and foiling of the heist, and you don't know who's working with whom. We meet Anna, who may be working with the bad guys, but is horny for Hudson, but is also a nun working in the Vatican. This is Annie McDowell. Oof. Everyone except Hudson, Anna, and Darwin, and Minerva are, like, killed. And Hudson has to put together the crystals. And Darwin and Minerva are like, yes, world domination. Yeah, woo. And the machine starts working. And Anna's like, why did you help them? And he goes, well, what if one piece of the crystal wasn't, you know, put in properly? And he shows her that he didn't put this tiny piece of the crystal in. So as this machine starts working, it malfunctions. It blows up and kills Minerva by splattering her with hot liquid lead gold. And Darwin is electrocuted. The world is saved in Anna and Hudson and Tommy Five-Tone, who somehow miraculously survives a limo blowing up and falling off of a, like, mountain in one of the only funny parts of the movie where they explain, um, are together, and the last shot of him is sipping his cappuccino that he's been so desperately wanting to have the entire movie. And it it ends with a freeze frame of him sipping cappuccino, and it is one of the worst freeze frames I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> and that is Hudson Hawk? Yes. Okay. Question mark? That, that, is, that is it. That, that is definitely it. Uh, one, of the, one of the reviews that I read said uh, about the end, as with any good romantic comedy, Hudson is finally reunited with his star-crossed lover at the end of the movie, his cappuccino. Sure. And... Yeah, and uh, so, okay, so I chose this movie. This yeah, was my why? This week. Uh, so I want to preface by saying I in no way support this movie. This movie is not good. It's not like I'm like, yes, this movie's great. Um, it's truly my, uh, a disaster. It is horrible. My best friend uh, when I was growing up, who you both know, Colleen, uh, she showed me this movie. 
and um, she had loved it. And I remember like she was so excited to make us watch it. And I remember as a kid, I thought it was fun, but I have not watched it since. Mm. And so rewatching it this time, I'm like, oh, sweet, sweet Lord. <laughs> this is this is like, OK, so when you look at like the epitome of a bad movie, this has like everything okay. like it checks all the boxes mm -hmm. it's sloppy it's nonsensical it's an action without a whole lot of action it's a comedy with almost zero actual comedy nothing's funny um it's got weird slapstick it's super overacted it's just a giant mess it's at equal times it is too much and not enough yeah, so um, Ashley, I know this was your first time seeing it. What did you What did you think? What's your first hot take? I mean, it's it's more like a mediocre mid temperature take, oh, right? Because that's, that's generous. What, that's what the show <laughs> was like. So you know, we all know that I have trouble paying attention, um, and. I'll admit I'm on a hard work deadline right now. So I was like, I'll just watch this movie while doing this other thing. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I'm just kind of like looking. And, and again, there were times when it was like not slapstick enough. I was like, that's not working. And then it was too much. Like it kept vacillating really hard between these two things. And it never learned how to like thread that needle and actually be what it needed. Like there was some point when Bruce Willis is like conking two heads, conking two heads of like, I think the guards together. Yep. And their heads were like two inches apart, maybe an ah, inch apart yeah. before doing that. I was like, the, the gesture is not even slapsticky enough. Yeah. Or, you know, when he and Andy McDowell are talking about the crystal and they're like talking out of the side of their mouth, but like purposefully really out of the side of their mouth. I was like, I, neither of you has enough comedic chops to pull this off. Like yep. Bruce Willis, I think he does things really well when he's in his vein. Like I thought he was fucking great in Die Hard, right? I literally can't think of any other Bruce Willis movies besides when he voiced um, the Babies movie. Look who's talking. Look who's talking. Mikey. Yeah, when he was Mikey and look who's talking. <laughs> but like that is how much this film it's, it ruined me. It's so terrible. I'm like, what else has he been in? What? Asher, are you serious? An That's what I'm saying. This movie has erased me wow. from thinking about anything else where I'm like, I don't. It's, Ashley, it's can, a blank. Do you not remember Death Becomes Her? Oh, God, wait, I did rewatch The Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The story of us. <laughs> no, I don't know that one. The whole nine yards. Striking distance. The whole ten yards. Oh, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying, team. Like, North. It just makes you forget <laughs> that he was a successful actor in other things. And, like, you know, obviously I'm not able to, to turn out shit like this, but, like, there's a good reason why this is the one and only thing he's ever written or co-written. Yep, it's that's it. not good. Mm. But... If you're the type of person who imbibes in substances that alter your mindset, um, I don't think that would even I was drunk watching this and I still didn't. <laughs> like, I still didn't enjoy it. <laughs> then, like, don't watch this. Put something else on. Yeah, I, I don't. don't know, I just, I don't think that would help. So, uh, so Grant, what did what did you think? And then I figured, like, we can yeah. actually talk about yeah. how this how this nightmare became a reality. So, Ashley, I do want to make one comment. When we when we were watching, I watched it with with Brandon on Friday night and he was like, I'm going to be on my phone watching this. Okay. <laughs> yes. Brandon. And then he was, he turned to me and goes, how is Ashley going to be able to watch this movie? Cause he knows that you get very easily distracted. <laughs> and I go, Oh, I really should think about doing the summary this time. <laughs> Thank you. I so, would have just stolen it from right. IMDb. I had heard about Hudson Hawk for, for a while because it was one of these early nineties disasters i own this book in high school that was like like it was called box office flops and it was like year by year like the biggest one of the big the biggest flops of that year and i remember reading about hudson hawk and just being very curious about it catching clips uh, snippets of it on hbo just the ending with sandra bernhardt because i was like oh this looks <laughs> like it could be fun this was um i thought this movie was very smug and yep. what I mean is Bruce Willis definitely thinks highly of himself. 
and he, he from what i understand of the production is that that a lot of times they they were delayed with lots of scenes because he was just like coming up with ideas as yep. they were filming is that right katie yeah yeah there was a lot of clashing between him and uh and the director michael Lee. um yeah, Michael Lehman. There was a lot of a lot of like clashing and a lot of power struggling yeah. because basically just Bruce Willis just ran right over him. I think there are some things that are interesting. Uh, I thought elements of the CIA people being in there and double crossing and the fact that they were all named after candy bars and David Caruso's very strange character. Uh, this mime-ish CIA person who's always in different costumes and communicating solely through business cards that have printed out his his thoughts as if he's already premeditated to like have them at the ready. Yeah, it's a very you know not cost effective either. No, Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt are in a totally different movie. Yeah, <laughs> I would say yes. Richard E. Grant. And Sandra Bernhardt separately are in totally different movies. <laughs> they were both a delight, though. I, I actually really enjoyed I mean, their like I, out there performances. I mean, I as a homosexual, I love anything that Sandra Bernhardt does, and she's not great in this. I mean, she's right now the background in my Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yes, but she is a ball to watch. It looks mm-hmm. like they were having a ball as these villain villainous characters. That's something I enjoyed. Why is Andy McDowell, or was she a thing? Because I'm thinking about her performance in this is shit. Like, she is terrible, oh, it's terrible. in this movie. There are some times where she's good. I'm thinking Robert Altman's Shortcuts. She's really good in that movie where she's I used like Groundhog well. Day. She's good in Groundhog Day. She, she performed her purpose in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. Okay, I was about to bring that up. She enrages me. In four weddings and a funeral, <laughs> she is a she's psychotic in that movie. I've only seen it like once. Have you or like watched it recently? It or something? No. Ashley, Maybe. have you? My gosh! Because I, I think I watched the TV show, and then I was oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna go back and watch the movie. The TV show is interesting. Um, I wish it was continuing. It's the Mindy Kaling show that was on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. cast. Yeah. Questionable execution. She is so distractingly bad in this movie that. Um, it just reminded me of her performance in Four Weddings, which is actually, it's a shit performance in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, she's, she is like, does not belong in that movie at all. <laughs> and again, I have to go back. Them singing in this movie, when they were like, I know the point of it was like timing, the, how much time they had to get in and get out of the art heist. I hated it. I hated it. It made me so mad because Bruce Willis is that type of actor who's like, I'm an actor, so I can also sing. No, you can't. Mm-mm. No, you can't. <laughs> Stay in your lane. It didn't bother the scene. Didn't bother me. Yeah, in fact, like it. when we were giving our previews, that's why I was. That's why it was the only thing I could think of. That was the only thing that stuck in my head was the singing. He just. Um, oh god, I, I I was like, this is this is the worst part. The worst part of the movie was them singing for me. Oh, there's so many worse parts of this movie. That tells you where am I? I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, let's talk, let's talk a bit about how this nonsense came into being. Um, so, as we had mentioned before, Bruce, it was basically like a Bruce Willis totally driven vehicle. It was a, he had, he had like thought of the idea 12 years ago, before, or 12 years before this movie was made. And, you know, had just been like marinating on it. And then he winds up meeting Robert Kraft. And uh, they, they have the story by credits. Again, only attempt at writing for both of them. Robert Kraft is more of a song producer. He worked on Little Mermaid. He worked on I mean, Good job Rouge. on that one. Yeah. Well done there. Um, and he wrote a song for this movie, but if you were to ask me what it was, I couldn't tell you. But they like met when Bruce Willis was like playing harmonica somewhere and then just kind of became friends. And then Bruce Willis kind of- would play the fucking harmonica. I want to be like, yeah. and do you have a mouth harp too? He might. And then that's that's kind of how it came to being. It was just like Bruce Willis getting all of his friends or like people that he had worked with together. And then it just kind of proves that when you have talented people and you smoosh them all together and you shove everything else in, 
it doesn't equal success. Um, so the, the screenwriters were Daniel Waters uh, and Steve E. D'Souza. Mm -hmm. Daniel Waters uh, co-wrote Heathers with oh, Heathers. the director, Love Michael it. Lehman. That is mind-boggling to me. Right? That they went from Heathers, they had something else in between, but mm -hmm. this, like, these are the same people? Like, yeah. what yeah. is what happened? Bruce Willis, what happened here? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Well, because, I mean, Steve E. D'Souza, he wrote Die Hard and Die Hard 2, which Die Hard 2, not great. Yeah, so then then you've also got, uh, like I said, that it was directed by Michael Lehman, who uh, also directed Heathers. He directed Airheads, which I love. I love Airheads. Underrated. Mm -hmm. Underrated. I love Airheads so much. And then, yeah, it was it was produced by Joel Silver, who basically Joel Silver and Jerry Bruckheimer are like credited with reinventing the action film genre of the 80s because Joel Silver produced Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon movies, Predator movies, Demolition Man. So it's not like these well guys. Done. Yeah, it's not like these guys are are unskilled or haven't done anything worth note because they have. It's just when you shove everybody together on one thing, it sucks. Mm. Well, it's it not just, yeah, it's not just that they shoved them together on one thing. It's that this film didn't, how it comes across is that it didn't have a clear vision of what it was. Is it a comedy? Is it slapstick? Is it action? Is it adventure? Like it was trying to be too many things without being a single thing that was really guiding it. And all of these folks are clearly really good at the things they do, but they're put onto a project that is not their strength. And then, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes and pull this, that, or whatever. And like, honestly, <clears throat> fucking script writing, writing a screenplay is some of the hardest writing ever. And then you have somebody who's coming in and just like making it up as you're shooting. It's like, this is not, this is Spinal Tap. These are not great improv actors. You don't have that style. Like, it's a specific, several styles you were trying to go for. And it's like, dude, you can't just, like, toss something in. Like, you only have so much time. You only have so much dialogue. Every fucking thing matters. And it needs to be executed so well to pull off the whole vision of the film. And you have a star well, who is coming off of Moonlighting, which was a huge deal. Die Hard, Look Who's Talking, Die Hard 2, uh, you know, who's definitely probably feeling his oats and uh, thinking he's God's gift and thinking, yep, all my ideas are valid. Let's put everything in here. Yeah, this for Bruce Willis. So this this came out right after Die Hard 2, which was 1990. Uh, the same year, 1991, he'd also come out with... Uh, other movies that I have not seen, The Last Boy Scout is, I guess, the most notable. I know that's a great movie, actually. I know, <laughs> I know. I don't think so I've seen Last, it either. Last Boy Scout came out this year. Uh, Mortal Thoughts with uh, his wife at the time. Demi Moore. Uh, actually, I, yeah, yeah, with Demi Moore. Um, and then next year, uh, it's kind of funny because I mean, he would also go on to play Death Becomes Her in 1992. Well, but well, uh, he. Richard E. Grant and Andy McDowell would all go on to play either like cameo roles or smaller parts in The Player. Which oh, with, comes out. with Altman, yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. That movie. May I add one so, one film credit that came out around course. this time is yeah. he also was in a notorious flop that came out months before Hudson Hawk did, and that was The Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, I've never seen that. Tom Hanks and Melanie Griffith which was uh, an adaptation of the novel. It was supposed to be huge. Yeah. And it came out and was garbage. It was, <laughs> and it's a De Palma movie too. Um, so that like came out and it was this huge unmitigated disaster, like more so than, than Hudson Hawk is in terms of expectations and box office revenue. So then to have Hudson Hawk come out months later, like, oh, one-two punch. Like, yeah, that kind of hmm. killed him. We're gonna, you're gonna be knocked down a couple pegs here and take like, <laughs> a couple, you know, lesser roles later on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like to see that, like Death Becomes Her comes out the next year, and I'm like, that was like pitch perfect. 
Um, no. You know, and then of course he goes on to do other stuff. Like I, I love Die Hard three. So yeah, but like Death Becomes Her. I mean, that is a Goldie Hawn Meryl Streep vehicle with a tiny side of Bruce Willis. Oh no, right? I think he's like fabulous in that movie. I agree. No, I think he, he isn't really good. Yeah. But like, I think he like isn't the driving down. force. It's the two female leads who I True. think are the driving sure. force. But he is so successful in that movie because he's not playing. Mr. Mr. Big Guns, Mr. Suave, he is this like absolute nerd. And Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we also, speaking of horrible acting, we talked about Andy McDowell uh, as Anna, who I get, all right, so get ready for this. Originally, Isabella Rossellini was in that role. Ooh. Ooh, well, she's fantastic. She yeah. she left due to back problems, not because the film was garbage. Quote unquote back problems, back problems. Isabella. <laughs> but yeah. back uh, problems you know, I, get me out of a lot of things too. I mean, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I also like you too. I love Sandra Bernhardt and Richard E. Grant because they are just so friggin' ridiculous that I'm like they're they're at least entertaining yeah. to watch on screen. Uh, Sandra Bernhardt's role, that role of Minerva Mayflower, was not originally in the film. It was written in for Audrey Hepburn. What? <laughs> I know. I need to hear more about that. What? I don't. I don't know any more about so, it other than it was. It was written in for her. And I wonder I'm sure why... it wasn't Sandra Bernhardt <laughs> playing herself, which is what it turned into. Oh but. my god, that is the female accompaniment of the villain. Yeah, I just. I know no... my brain like short circuited. I was like that. The, that... the balls. To be uh-huh. like, oh, Audrey, who is like practically retired at this point, come out and play this role in this shit movie that we're putting together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I then literally Bruce Willis- can't even picture it. I'm like, I can't maybe either. Catherine Hepburn, because she's just like a force, you know. But I just think of Audrey Hepburn as like this tiny <laughs> little whatever. I know, you know. Definitely not over the top as this turned into. I mean, I. Her outfits in this movie, I know, were so good. The hats, she wore the hats. so many great hats. Oh God, their whole introduction at at the scene where uh, it's in the museum and it's an auction, and they come mm-hmm. in, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Like that was like this is when the movie actually started for me was, was their introduction because they're so crazy. Like literally, like I like I was surprised there was still scenery left from them chewing. That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> and then she like she, there's a point where she like is trying to be all sexy next to him, and she just like licks his like licks his cheek. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it's all the touching she does on Bruce Willis, and then like her singing like I've got the power in the oh my god. With the- <laughs> With the headphones, I've on. got the power. Like, yeah. she's like at a board meeting, and all the people are just sitting there. What, like, all the people sitting around, including a five-year-old child. Did yeah, anyone notice that? <laughs> like, yes, wearing a suit. Like, <laughs> and she's singing it off key, and it's just—I was like, okay, where? Like, why don't we have more of them in this movie? Right. Um, also, th- so then you know when Audrey Hepburn obviously did not do it, yeah. uh, Bruce Willis went after Famke Jensen. Who uh, I guess auditioned but did, didn't get the cut. Wow, I didn't know she was like around. I thought because I, I thought she was the big thing about Goldeneye, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she, I, she was. Um, and I, you know, I fell in love with her in Goldeneye. I'm like, I love, I oh, love yeah. you. She um, made me straight for like five minutes. <laughs> why? A, why am I having a hard deal. time remembering what else she's been in? She was an. She X-Men. was an X Men. She was Jean uh, Grey. Yeah, she was Jean Grey. Oh, X-Men. Well, there we go. It just clicked. You know who I kept thinking about was Franca Potente. That's who. Oh, Like, yeah. you say Famke Jansen, but somebody else pops in my head. It's two F names. I get it. You know, it's funny because we say how much we like Richard E. Grant in this as Darwin Mayflower, but I guess someone else had complimented him saying that they liked his performance, and his response was, uh, it was a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey droppings, and you're an idiot for liking this movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I can, you know, you I hear mean, him go off, sis. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes He's... me like him even more. He's so great. I just want to, you know what? I want to do a series where I just watch his films. Did you see Can You Ever Forgive Me? No. Yes, I did. I loved him in that. <gasps> oh, he was so Ashley, good. you would love that he was, movie. It's he was like so one of the good. best parts of that whole movie. He was movie. wonderful. Ugh. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, just, do you want me to go watch it or do you want me to do you want to save it for the podcast? No, you can go watch no, it. No, 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 no. Watch it. It's really, really good. He I it's, just recently watched um, Robert Altman's Ready to Wear and he he's in that movie. Um, one of one of Altman's not so great movies, but I've seen it like a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was he was really good in 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 that one movie. Um, his death, highly recommended. His death scene's very funny though because he's like getting electrocuted, but it's like he's just like taking. It looks like he's just like holding pool noodles and going ow. <laughs> <laughs> like that that their death scene at the end. It looked like it it was. A lot of stuff was on the cutting room floor because we're like, is Minerva dead? Like, I I couldn't. They didn't really show what happened. They did. They did cut a lot of stuff. They cut a lot of. Uh, in my head, I was reading. I was like, they cut a lot of jokes that didn't land, and I'm like, oh god. So Annette, if there they were cut more. There's still an hour and forty five minutes left of this. Uh huh. Uh, there was apparently a subplot about Eddie Hawk's dead monkey, because why not? There was a monkey. Throw, did throw, I miss the monkey? Throw a monkey. No, we cu- it cut oh. out. <laughs> Cut it out. Uh, but yeah, there was a subplot that was cut out. Um, that was about it. I did think There's the, a few I did other little things. I think the part where, because like Minerva and Darwin have that dog who's kind of an asshole. And then. <laughs> Bunny. Bunny the dog. <laughs> I thought that was funny with the dog's death scene. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, know. Uh, I, la- I was like, I am I laughing? I shouldn't laugh at that, but whatever. <laughs> I had a bottle and a half of like cheap rose in me at that point. So we've we've shit a lot on this movie so far. What what was funny in it? Like what was Sandra good? Bernhardt? Sandra Bernhardt. Sandra, that's Richard it, right? E. Grant. Yeah, that's I what I thought think, too. Like, like watching it, where you're just like, it was funny to be like, huh? What? She's a nun? Like it's just like those personal asides where you're just completely flummoxed by what you're watching, and that makes it entertaining. I like the 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 crucifix. How she talks to the crucifix, and it's like a little like. Yeah. intercom to the Pope or whomever. Yeah. I thought that was funny. She's like, it's been 1,200 hours since my last confession. I go, girl! <laughs> <laughs> you could, I used to wait six months. <laughs> I know, like, I can't remember. But who, um, okay, but can we actually talk about, was she, like, what was her deal? Like, what was she doing there? Okay, so she had been hired, she was a nun at the Vatican who was a, a doctor who was, um, an uh, expert in Da Vinci stuff. Uh, she is hired by this CIA offshoot, which, uh, you know, led by James Coburn and the other MTVIA. What? Like MTVIA. MTVIA, yes. Yes, yeah. MTVIA, the CIA offshoot led by James Coburn, um, with he's leading these other candy bar themed <laughs> secret agents. Who used to be and named after STDs. Yes. Yes. Yo, Lorraine Toussaint was amazing. I yes. really I was, enjoyed her I, when, performance. When her name great. when her name jumped up, like, oh, Lorraine. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was very excited. What else to is see. she from? Uh, Orange is the New Black. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, I've only seen she a little bit of that. Great in that, yeah. Uh, so they the the MTVIA hire Andy McDowell to like keep an eye on the Mayflowers because they suspect the Mayflowers of like trying to steal stuff. And then Andy McDowell doesn't realize. So she's helping them. The CIA. Andy McDowell, yeah. She's helping the CIA. Andy McDowell doesn't realize that the CIA is involved with the Mayflowers to make sure that this plot to, you know, it's There's way too that's, much that's plot essentially it. Movie. There's yeah. too much yes. plot. Too much plot. Yes. Uh, I do want to also quickly shout out Graham. You had mentioned him a little bit before, but David Caruso as Kit Kat was delightful. I liked him. That was a too. that was a plus. Uh, I don't like David Caruso. Oh, I do. Is, I I, what, why? I like him on CSI too. I actually have no very little. I've seen very little of his work. So Ashley, why don't you like him? He's just not a. I don't. I don't like him as a representative of redheads. Oh, <laughs> that's the only reason. He's not redheaded enough. Even though right now I look like a fucking brunette, but like a shitty brunette. He mm. just... Uh, what are you trying to say? You know what it is? <laughs> yeah, you, excuse you me. You are both beautiful brunettes. I look like a shitty brunette right now. <laughs> I like the part where um, he's like dressed up as Anna. And, yes. And okay, then that was he, funny. And then when he shows up as the um, like Greek god statue, like painted. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's... I was like, that was fun. Like, I thought that that... 
And he seemed like the only good CIA person. Right? I was also confused. Like, if you are going to be named Kit Kat, shouldn't there be two of you? Like, why does Kit Kat is like the master of disguise? Why is, you know, I feel like Kit Kat, there should be two of them. And who were those two? I mean, aren't his disguises one, but you never get to see his other side, his true self? I don't know. Yeah, you saw so him the disguises in the, auction, are the, the disguises are the right Kit Kat, and his true self is the left Kit Kat. <laughs> we get, never get to know the left Kit Kat because also because he's killed in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like those two twins who were the bodyguards, like I- Ig and Ook. I'm like, what the? Why hell weren't they called Kit Kat? I agree. Yeah, but they weren't CIA. Uh, Again, too yeah, yeah. much plot. So, if you guys could be a candy themed CIA agent working for MTVIA, what would your candy code name be? And what would like your your like specialty or like your your shtick be? So I'll go first. I would be a York peppermint patty. Oh, okay. because I'm not for everybody, and I would be expe- uh, unexpectedly sweet on the outside, and then my subs- my I'd have these like stone cold killing skills on the inside. Who doesn't like York peppermint patties? Some people don't. Some they think folks. it tastes like toothpaste, I but they're wrong. Love. I do too. I like that, Katie. That's good. Thank you. Graham, what would you be? Mine would be... <laughs> this came to me immediately. <laughs> I would be whatchamacallit. Yes. That's a good one. And my, a good one. my power would be to confuse the hell out of you and to lead you astray. Like, I'd be, I'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, no. Like, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. Like, basically, like, fuck everyone's plans up. The power of misdirection. The power of misdirection with whatchamacallit. Oh my! You should have been in this movie. I know. You would have. You would have been the star. Really been the mm-hmm. star. But Bruce said no, and I was seven when this came. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to be the kid in the boardroom who was also a mole, but Bruce yes. said no. Yeah. Um. I actually struggled with this, despite the fact that I love sugar. <laughs> I eat a lot of it. Um. Even though it's not a candy bar, I would want to be Pixie Stick. Oh, I would want to that, be that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's a candy. Um, because I would be fast and I would fuck you up. Mm. I love it. Do you remember you, sugar highs off of those you things? You would be and really also, energetic like, and then want to take a nap. Did you yes. ever have kids like snort it like Coke? In a, yes, that's what no. I was just about to say. That's the fucked up thing where like kids treated it like yes. ingestible drugs. In um, my Catholic school in Jacksonville, Florida, I won't name names because I've Forgot them, but um, <laughs> but people would snort pixie dust, pixie sticks. What? Yeah, yeah. And you also had like the small paper ones, which you had to be careful about how you poured it in your mouth because if you got it wet, it got stuck. Oh my god! And then you had to like sad. suck on it, but not eat the paper. Yeah. But then there was I the massive. That <laughs> was fat. Just, <laughs> just like the dot, the, the candy dots. <laughs> the amount of paper I ate off of candy. Yeah. yeah, but then they had the massive plastic ones, and it was always hard to like open it up. You would like wrench it with your teeth, all weird if you don't have a scissors. We but, had yeah. a we had a place that did you could make your own, and then you could make like they had like super sour ones that were in like a vial. Um, really, those were those were delicious. Mm-hmm. When's the I when's the last time y'all had a candy bar? I don't really like candy bars. Do you like sugar? Do you like candy? Are we I do. Friends? I eat candy, but I don't like, like, I won't, like, having a whole candy bar to myself. Yeah. Like, mm, it's too much. What? Okay. <laughs> Ashley is agog. <laughs> Ashley's like, I had one for, like, dinner last night. <laughs> I had, like, I literally made a batch of chocolate chip cookies before this, and I've had two. Or three. That's, I that's not, that's cookie. not. That's different. that's different. I mean, that is true. I have a freaking like Rubbermaid full of candy and cookies right now. And maybe this is just a holdover for me being a teacher. And also like I've had to give up all my other fun vices. So all I have left now is sugar. Mm. Um, but oh my God. Yeah. I'll like go to the hardware store and I'll like pick up a bunch of like peanut M&Ms. I'll be like, oh, oh yeah. my God. Or like best. gummy bears. But again, or Snickers. Like Snickers is my go-to. I'm like, oh. okay, I want sugar, but I need a little bit of protein. Okay, get a yeah. Snickers that has sugar in it. I originally was going to say um, salted nut roll, you know, because I'm What the sassy. fuck is that? Oh what? my God. You've never had a salted nut roll? I mean, I don't I think have. so. Are they like the Amish? I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you have. I'm making a double uh. on time. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> Graham's talking about dicks. 
He means a penis. It's my um, family listens to this. <laughs> and some coworkers. <laughs> Guys, we're adults and we've had sex. Um, no, it's... Um, oh, God, what is the white stuff? Nougat? Is it nougat in the center That's or something? It's not marshmallow. It's whatever it is. It's just like, woof, it's good. Is this a Minnesota thing? It might be just a Midwestern thing. And then there's caramel over it. And then it's peanuts that have like salt on top of it. So it's a nice balance of salty and sweet. I love a good salty sweet. Oh, my God. I just housed some pretzel, um, peanut butter pretzels. Peanut butter, peanut butter, pretzels filled with peanut butter. Ooh, I, like I like those. those. When I was in the office, I would have so much. Shout out to Nancy. Um, she would have this. She has this amazing candy dish. And I would just go up there and just like eat all of the Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. So I miss it very much. But that's also. I am that coworker. Been I helpful. have like a little fishbowl. It's been helpful for my like weight gain this year <laughs> because I haven't had it. But we were on a walk last week and we came across. A young young lady selling Girl Scout cookies, and I was like, before I saw it, I was bragging to my friend about how healthy I'd been recently, and that what happened? I bought five boxes of Thin Mints. <laughs> um, okay, but like, first off, totally okay if we all gained weight during the pandemic. Oh no, absolutely, to yeah, alive, right? Yep. But also, have you had? The toast, yay! The new cookie from Girl Scouts. It's fucking about it. French toast flavor with um like a back of like icing. Oh my god, it is so good! And also, I can't let myself have a lot. I was. It just. mm. I was mad that they changed the recipe for the lemon ones, and now they're like two lesser than lemon cookies as opposed to the ones that are covered in sugar. And I was like. Mm What am I here for? And it depends Did, on what region of the country you're in, right? Because yeah. there are two big bakeries. So I think you, I think y'all in California, we have a different bakery. So I get different stuff and they have different names. Boo. We'll get back to Hudson Hawk in a second, Katie. But I <laughs> do want to. Did the Girl Scout cookies shrink in size, or are we just bigger and older? Like I feel like they're smaller. I don't know. Which cookie are you talking? All about? of them. I opened up a Thin Mints and I was like, "Excuse me." I'm actually terrified to open up the Samoas. I was a Girl Scout for a few (gasps) years. And I don't think think we just grew up and then dimensions and um, relative, you know, size and shape of things is just different. God, I wish I needed. What's the peanut butter ones called? Tagalongs? Yes. Ugh. The best. Are those? They're very good. You're talking about the ones that are peanut butter and then they're covered in chocolate, yes. right? Not yeah. the peanut yeah. butter sandies, right? So, okay. So what are those called for you? Are they also called tagalongs? I think so. Oh, okay. I don't pay enough time. Here's the thing. Here is my Girl <laughs> Scout cookie buying um, practice, right? I have a lot of friends whose daughters or I guess I only know people with daughters, but like anybody can join the Girl Scouts. Um, Love the Girl Scouts. And I just really want to support them. So I buy like $100 worth of Girl Scout cookies a year. Um, And like literally they sit in the Rubbermaid. um, And then I just use them as like housewarming or I'm going to a party. So then I bring a box. Oh, my God. That is the best. That's a good idea. Yeah, like straight up, y'all. I still have Girl Scout cookies from last year because we couldn't go out. Are they? And I like stopped. Do they keep? Do they yeah, are they good? Oh, yeah. No, they st- they're, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, there's so many fucking preservatives in it. But, yeah, I like. Yes, I had to go to a up. school recently to work in their library, and a friend of mine is a teacher there, so I brought her a box of cookies. I was like, oh. So, use Girl Scout. Buy a bunch of Girl Scout cookies. Um, support young girls doing entrepreneurship and yes. other cool things for their outdoor trips. And then be that person that everybody fucking loves because you brought yeah. Girl Scout cookies to the party. The next time you have a screening of Hudson Hawk with your friends, bring because yeah. well, let's get back. We should get back. Yeah, that'll so, be the best so, part about it. So back back to Hudson Hawk. I did want to touch on just a few more things as to why this was a disaster more than the content because the content clearly is awful. But um, so this was filmed on several locations. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge, Budapest, Rome, London, Los Angeles. Um, it ballooned way over budget, as Graham had started this off with. But 
Where you can get some water in Los Angeles. I could. Shut up. (laughs) Why don't you just drink coffee? Coffee. Why don't you drink a cappuccino? Water. I was also, uh, a quick side note, I was surprised, like, because this is a 90s movie and there's cappuccino. Why was the cappuccino not, like, the size of your head? Yes. Yes. I will say, yeah, it it stuck more true to, like, actual Italian cappuccino before the mid-90s rise of Friends and, yeah, coffee mugs the size of your freaking freaking head. Well, they were so I married an axe murderer, too. Oh, God, good movie. Excuse me, I'd like the large. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I Um, love that movie. I know I love that movie, too. Uh, So, yeah, it it also went over the... It it was an 81-day shooting schedule. It went up to 106 days. Oh, shit. So you have that, you have the the shooting locations, you have everything constantly being rewritten. The finale was a uh, specifically constructed machine stage, and that was in Budapest, like the whole like Da Vinci machine yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. That was in Budapest. Uh, there was a transportation strike in Budapest at the time, so that also slowed production. So this just had like every single thing that you could make go wrong, yeah, or yeah. including like. Writing or acting <laughs> or, or making writing? a joke. <laughs> no, but also fuck yeah, Budapest. You know, collective collectivism and unions. You strike for your rights, goddammit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it made this movie shit, it was worth it. Yeah. So it was. It was all overall kind of a nightmare. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say you guys would never watch this again. But I, I want to ask the question because that's what we do here. No. Katie, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I probably won't either. Like, oh. why? I barely watched it the first time. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. There was a joke I read that was like, I wish I was a cat burglar so I could steal the hour and a half of my life yeah. back. Yes. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Can we talk about what happened to his career? Like, especially in the past decade. He is, sure. he is part of this grouping of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta who churn out five or six of these direct-to-VOD action films every year. Yeah? Oh, Like, so, what What? What else? Because I know, like, with Bruce Willis in my head, I'm like, okay, you had, like, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then you have, okay. like, a couple of their, like, middling so things. let me, I'm going to read out the last five years of his movies, and okay. you tell me if you've heard of any of them. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go from last year backwards. <clears throat> okay. Cosmic Sin. Nope. Breach. Nope. Hard Kill. <laughs> no. Survive the Night. No. Trauma Center. Mm-mm. Ten Minutes Gone. That's what gone. this movie was. Ten Minutes Mm-mm. Gone. Mm-mm. Motherless Brooklyn, which was in theaters. Uh, I did see Motherless Brooklyn. Glass, which was in theaters. I saw that. Oh, Repri- like the takeoff of... Um, yeah. It was uh, the M. Night Shyamalan third yeah. film. Yeah. Reprisal. Airstrike. No. Acts no. of Violence, First Kill, Once Upon a Time in Venice, No Marauders, Precious Cargo, Extraction, Vice, not the Vice about Wait, the president. Wait, which year of Extraction? 2015, not, not the Mike Judge movie. Okay, no. The Prince. Uh, that was the past six years. Jeez. Well, he, he stays I, booked. Make... He stays booked. I know he's making money, so he's making more than me. He has one, two, three, four. He has six films in either post-production or filming right now. Midnight in the Switchgrass. Apex, Out of Death, American Siege, Reactor, and Gasoline Alley. Wow, I wonder what kind of movies those are. Probably all heist action. I'm, they're I'm all being they're all facetious, oh, okay, Graham. They I all thought. sound exactly the fucking same. <laughs> they're all filmed in Budapest. A lot of you them are filmed what? there. He he found his niche and he is working it and he's getting a paycheck. And I can't yes. exactly fault him for that. Oh no. But I'm not gonna watch them. But like what's happening with his finances? Like, does he not care anymore? Kevin Smith said working with him on that it was a movie they did, um, Cop Out was one of the worst experiences of his life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, apparently, I mean, I've, I've heard other stories about just what a nightmare he is to work with. Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like. I've been reading about this one specifically. Too. Baby, you're best, you're prime. But click, get that check. Yeah, move behind the camera. Or just stop. <laughs> you know? Just, just you live gotta, off you of... You gotta live. But Demi, we want to see more of you, Demi. We love you. 
Yeah. That, that could just be a you comment. I don't need to see more of Demi Moore. Okay. She- ouch. Um, sorry to me. I guess you'll <laughs> rethink coming on the pod next week. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I have to bump Tori Spelling. <gasps> <laughs> okay. So that, that about wraps up this, this entire d- movie. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll just I'll just put, leave it there. Uh, but Graham, I hear you have a mini. Let me introduce you. I do. Graham, is it that is that that movie you were talking about earlier you? that is getting all the Oscar buzz that I knew nothing about? No, it's not Minari. No. Ashley, I, I, Katie, before the call, I was telling Ashley that I saw Minari and I loved it, and she goes, "What's that?" And I go, "It's literally one of like the biggest Oscar contenders." She goes, "You should do a mini. Let me introduce you about it." It's like, literally everybody knows about this movie. <laughs> no. Oh, not quick everybody. Sight. Hey, you introduced me to Parasite, and I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, I'm going to go see that, and it was amazing. So I'm definitely going to see Minari. I'm going to plug a book. Um, I finished the wonderful Mike Nichols biography written by one of my favorite <gasps> writers, Mark Harris. It is a beautifully written look into the life of a truly fascinating uh, figure in in cinema, and you know if you don't know who Mike Nichols is, he did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Graduate, Carnal Knowledge, Working Girl, um, Silkwood, The Birdcage, Bird, Bird Angels yeah. in America, Wit. So there, and on top of that, won multiple Tony Awards for just for tons of work uh, directing plays. So um, it is it's a it's a six hundred page book. It flies by. Mark Harris is a wonderful writer i shout out to his other books pictures at a revolution and five came back but if you want just like solid look into the life of of a creative his fascinating life as an immigrant into america uh, i can't recommend it enough so it's just called mike nichols a life by mark harris pick it up go to your local independent bookstore and pick it up yes I've been so bad. Like I started reading at the pandemic and I was doing really well. And then just, I think it was just like life and stress and work and everything. I, and Ashley, this is kind of how it seems like you are with movies. Like I cannot sit down and read a book because one, I have to read for my job all day, but two, when I'm done, I just like, when I sit down, I just cannot concentrate and I'll wind up reading the same page over and over. And then I can't get into the story. It's been really frustrating. It, it definitely is. Sorry, I didn't mean to snort laughing at the I read all day for my job. Uh, that's a joke that Bob and I have because um, one time I went on a date with a guy and I was like, oh, what do you like to read for fun? And he's like, you know, I just I read so many work emails that <laughs> by the time I get home, I don't want to read. And so Bob and I just gave like each other a hard time. like a guy not going to put in any effort. Yeah, I was like, um... You did read the part where I said I'm a librarian, yeah, right? Like, it's kind of important to me. Yeah. So sometimes Bob and I will say to each other, one of us will say, like, do you want to just, like, snuggle and read in front of the fire? And it's like, I don't know. I read a lot of work emails today. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that is, you know, that is a very real phenomenon. Um, and I think it's something that, I mean, it's at least something that I want more folks to talk about where when you have a lot of stressors in your life or anything else, like, you just don't want to read or straight up. You just go through periods where you're just not interested or into reading. And I don't think you should ever force yourself to read if you're not into it. And I am a huge proponent of if you start to read something and it's not for you or it's not the right time for you to read it, put that fucking book down. Like there is no, I don't know, like badge of honor being like, I forced my way through this book. Fuck that man. You can read a finite number of books in your life, don't fucking make it painful, right? Mm -hmm. Life is hard enough as it is. And I will say for me, like I went years, just years without reading a lot. Like people were like, oh, you work in libraries. You're a librarian. You must read a ton. And I'm over here like, no, I'm just watching like a shit ton of TV. (laughs) Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm reading the captions. But I just, I, it was rare for me to find stuff that I just wanted to devour. And for me at least, what finally got me back into reading a lot and finally after like 10 years got me checking out books from the library. Cause yeah, I was the librarian who didn't go to the <laughs> library. I liked buying books, right? I love buying books. Who doesn't love buying a book if you have the money. Yeah. Right. And even sometimes when you don't, um, for me, it was getting a Kindle and like reading before bed and that actually like helped yeah. me calm down. But yeah, I can't read at least lately, at least in the last year, I can't read really heavy shit 
I can't do over unless it's something I'm super jazzed about or is like hyper relevant to work. Mm. Like, y'all, you know what I've been reading the last six weeks? Steamy romance novels. Hey, get it. And I fucking love them. All right. Talia Hibbert, Jasmine Guillory. Oh, my God. Love it. It's like some fun romance, with a little bit of steam. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? Both my reading life and my sex life have benefited from it. So do things that benefit you. You know what, Katie? Don't force yourself. Find those activities that bring you joy. And then when you're like, hey, Ashley, I do want to read some stuff. Then you just come to me and I'll help you out. I have recommendations, too. Graham, a lot of your recommendations, I'd say you're at like a 70-30. At least for... We don't don't have the same taste in common for Uh, everything. So, uh, yeah. Not not everything you've recommended to me, but some things. Well, I'm feeling very attacked right now. (laughs) I'm sure this Mike Nichols book is fantastic. It's wonderful if you're very interested. (laughs) No, I'm sure that is great. I'm just being that like jerk who's like, it's my job to match people with resources. So, you know. Thank you, librarian Ashley. <laughs> I'm gonna push up my glasses. Mm-hmm. But support your local library. Check out a book. Do Circulation it. stats really do help. Check out ebooks and then like open them and flip through some pages if you're not reading them, and then you can return them. Uh, it still counts. <laughs> well, we've uh, we've we've meowed with some cats. We've sung on a star. Ashley, would you tell us what disaster we're going to be talking about next week? For our season finale. Mm. Yeah, how are we going to yes. take it on home? Um, we are going to take it home with the first movie where I ever walked out of the theater and said, at the ripe age of 11, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had wow. no idea you did that. Wow. Wow. Yes, it was, we were on a family vacation, I believe in Wyoming, um, and we camped a lot. And so it was rare that we would go see movies because it's outdoors and like just stuck inside in Minnesota for six months of the year. Um, Next week, we are going to watch the 1995 Kevin Costner vehicle, Waterworld. Yes. It is a first for me. I'm excited. Because I know that there are people who love this movie. I do. Okay. I love I this don't, movie. I mean, I literally saw it once in the theater, however many years ago that was, 26 years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. And I've never watched it again. I have gone to whatever theme park, Universal or whatever, and seen the Waterworld performance. And that was actually wildly entertaining. Mm. So I'm excited to revisit the first thing I ever said was the worst movie that I've ever seen. Wow. I'm very excited about that, too. Uh, but I, I, granted, I've not seen this movie in a fair amount of time, but I always enjoy watching it. So I'm really glad that, Ashley, you've given me a, a more pointed reason to watch it other than it's 3 in the morning and I can't go to sleep. Yep. So thank you. There you go. Which is when I usually put sci-fi on. Um, yeah, no, last night, uh, last night, two nights ago, I decided to put Alien vs. Predator on just because I felt like I, I couldn't fall asleep, and it worked. Yeah, I put on old episodes of The Fact of Life to put me to sleep. And you watch because it's like calming. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I'll either do Alien versus Predator. I've been doing a lot of mystery science theater, just because it, it makes me laugh yeah. and I like dumb stuff. You yeah. know, snug up with your favorite um... vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> Snug up with your favorite. Or seven. Oh my God, girl. <gasps> it's too many. How much are you Where are they going? <laughs> it's like one in each ear. <laughs> How is the ear? I mean, I guess the ear Shut can be up. Don't judge me. Don't kink shame me, Ashley. Yeah, don't yuck her I'm young. sorry. I don't mean to kink shame you. I just don't understand. <laughs> I haven't experienced that. Off the rails. Snug up with your favorite sci-fi movie about aliens killing predators um, and other death and destruction. Or they make love. We don't know. Did, did they make Maybe love they, in that, at Katie? No. They uh, don't? Uh, with, with their swords, there was a lot of penetration slash impaling. So, so the, maybe. So the alien and predator don't kiss? No. A lot of homoerotic overtones, but no. Mm. Okay. Right, We're well, going through all of the alien movies. So I've As seen you Alien. Should, they're, they're wonderful. Now we're for Aliens. So. Okay. Well, when you get to AVP, let me know. AVP. 
It's what it's called. Insider information. All right. Shut up, Graham. I see your face. I'm going to rewatch the judgment first. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's wrap um, it up. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for, for joining us uh, for this monstrosity. And I am very excited for you all to join us for our season finale next week. And um, yeah, we will, we will chat then. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Let Me Introduce You is a podcast hosted by Graham Veth, Katie Kubert, and Ashley Crone. Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.